Fox Sports Australia's own NFL expert, Laurie Horesh, who is in the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, the NFL Draft location, joins us on today's edition of The Splash for a full recap of the first round of draft action, day one of the NFL Draft. It's Friday, the 27th of April. Time for your daily dose of Sporting Agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor. And yes, I understand NFL expert or expert in the media game is an overused uh, expression, but uh, when you listen to Laurie Haresh uh, speak about NFL, it's accurate. Uh, So... We're going to have him on the line in a second, uh, live from Arlington, Texas, uh, location of the 2018 NFL Draft. Let's get to that now. Fox Sports Australia's Laurie Haresh joins us live from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Welcome to the Splash today, Laurie. Thank you for having me. I have no idea what time it is in any time zone, uh, but I know it's you know time to get ready for day two after a pretty dramatic day one uh, here at Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys Haven. Yeah, are you in the? Are you still in the? You you watched uh, today's day one draft action from the press box. Are you still in the 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 press box? And how was it being there? Um, I am still in the press box. It's it's kind of um, if for anyone that saw the the few good seasons of How I Met Your Mother. Um, the phrase hauntingly beautiful was thrown around before the show went to absolute garbage. And that's what I <laughs> deem it now. Hauntingly beautiful. 32 dreams have been realized. Um, and now it's quite empty. There's a, there's a purple, there's almost a, a violet glow about the, the draft floor. It's, it's quite enjoyable to look down on at this late hour. I believe it's, I don't know, 11 or 12 uh, at night, um, in Dallas right now. But how it was as a whole, I thought both the NFL and I don't know whether it was the Jones family or who on the, on the AT&T stadium side of things was part of organization uh, for this event. But I thought it was phenomenal. The fact that they had these little segments um, of fans down right in front of the stage, all lined up by division, getting after each other. They had Drew Pearson and Michael Irvin, two former 88s for the Dallas Cowboys, out here riling them up, goading people, um, trolling people, trolling fan bases. It was phenomenal. I thought they did a sensational job. The layout was spectacular. Um, and then, you know, the crowd turned up as well. I was a little worried walking around the what they called the draft experience today uh, amongst many of the fans. And there were Eagles fans walking around getting their, their Super Bowl chants away, you know, clean and, and clear <laughs> as a whistle, which doesn't happen at most away grounds. And a lot of Cowboys fans standing around just kind of letting it happen and looking with disapproving faces. But uh, once we got inside the building, the Cowboys fans certainly turned up and they made a hell of a lot of noise. And it was uh, a bit of a spectacle, more than a bit of a spectacle to behold. P- particularly uh, a little bit of noise whenever uh, Roger Goodell uh, went out onto the stage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he thought taking Jason Witt and Roger, the future president of the United States, Stolbach and Troy Aikman out was going to provide some sort of bulletproof uh, vest against the uh, against the booze from the Dallas Cowboys fans, that was he was sorely mistaken. You literally couldn't hear Roger Goodell speak uh, when he opened his line and tried to open the draft. You couldn't hear a word he was saying, yeah. uh, and the crowd just kept going from crescendo to crescendo. It was uh, it was good fun. Look, Americans really know how to put on a show. They do these drafts so well. What what can Australian sports uh, learn, pick up from this, and apply straight away to to things that happen back here? I know, like the NRL 
doesn't have uh, this kind of event or this kind of process, but the AFL does, and they do a pretty good job. Um, but what's the what's the the big difference? Is something that you can take away from actually being there today? I think media coverage is one. It's so mainstream, and it is so much a part of um, the football season, is draft season, and perhaps that's from a shorter. It's a shorter season, you know, the regular season proper NFL when you compare it to you know rugby league or AFL, which does have a draft setup. So perhaps fans are a little more. Uh, weary and a little more worn down by the length of the season in Australia, but what they can do in the event, I mean, I think the best way to describe what I beheld today was they made it all about the fans. They involved them the most. We had um, Mike Levin and Colleen Wolf from NFL Network uh, revving up the crowd in between every single pick. So whilst on TV you cut back whether you're watching, you know, ESPN or watching NFL Network and you're getting a getting one of the you know the broadcast panels as far as the fans are concerned they were constantly being engaged and thus you get the reactions and yeah it's a different sport is there a sport you know rugby league probably has too many junior club ties to be able to adopt a draft style system um i've i've thrown it out to the rugby department before why don't they you know with the state of rugby union in the country why wouldn't they look at a draft system yeah. uh, given they have franchises that aren't solely tied uh, to you know more local clubs and shoot shield clubs sure there's red tape to get through there as there is with any sporting organization but geez i think it'd be phenomenal if if we turn the passion that we have in the grade you know grade and club rugby and especially gps rugby in new south wales if we yeah. could transition that if we could transition that passion and that energy into into storylines and media coverage and, um, and, and and stuff for fans to engage in from the from the school level all the way through the pros I might have to find uh, Raylene Castle's details and forward <laughs> this podcast to her. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to be stirring up things on the home front. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Loz, there were 32 selections in today's first round of the NFL draft, day one of a day three extravaganza, and five or six trades as well. Uh, so you could say, you know, 37, 38 total moves made on the day. How many eyebrow raises were there? <laughs> oh, look, if we go eyebrow raises, I think for those that weren't following the beat, um, when Baker Mayfield went first overall, that may have raised some eyebrows, but that had been the word coming out of the last 24 to 48 hours, so perhaps not one for everybody in here. Um, but certainly one, when you look at how Baker Mayfield measures up against, you know, I think I said the more traditionally built pocket passes, your Sam Darnold's, your Josh Rosens, and your Josh Allens. Um, he was certainly, you know, his MO is being creative, accurate, and very competitive, uh, and, you know, crotch-grabbing the opposition from the sidelines. So it started things off in a raucous way, I, I would say. The big surprises uh, had to be when, uh, you know, guys like Rokon Smith went off the board. I think when Mike McGlinchey went at ninth overall to the San Francisco 49ers, that was earlier than people's thought, and I think that started to push people down. Um, the slide of um, Derwin James, most people thought a dynamic safety talent like him and a versatile defensive playmaker would have gone earlier in the draft. So him sliding to 17, there was a groan, an audible groan from the local Dallas fans because they wanted him to slip just a little further to 19. Yeah. But we're, if we're talking about huge, huge, stunning picks, um, I think uh, when when we come across Rashad Penny going to the Seattle Seahawks, that was an absolute head-scratcher given yeah. that Darius Geis was on the board, Ronald Jones was on the board, Kerryon Johnson was on the board, and that Seattle Seahawks can't block anyone on the offensive line. And if they wanted a running back to be able to help out in some pass protection, Rashad Penny is not your man because he can't do that worth a lick. Uh, but the absolute showstopper, New Orleans Saints move up from 27 to 14, give away next year's first-round pick. 
Everybody thinks it's to get the air to Drew Brees. Lamar Jackson's coming off the board. Perfect position. He's going to be able to sit behind Drew Brees. He's going to be able to develop. He's going to be able to work on the mechanical flaws in his lower body and his base that he needs to to take advantage of that beautiful, beautiful wrist-snapping arm power that he has, as well as his Michael Vick-like legs. And they go with Marcus Davenport, who is raw as sashimi. He's a very well-put-together pass rusher. He is, you want to talk about a guy built in a lab. He is absolutely built in a laboratory. Dexter's laboratory built branded and ready to go but the man doesn't know how to rush he doesn't have a plan so it's going to have to be a very sharp learning curve for him to contribute early on Cameron Jordan's going to have to get his teaching hat on and get that one going and you know the rest I think I think this class really flattened out after the top kind of you know eight or so players that weren't at the quarterback position so not a lot of huge ones but what a moment when Terrell Edmonds who wasn't a consensus first rounder by any means his younger brother had actually gone earlier Tremaine Edmonds in the first round to the Buffalo Bills when Terrell Edmonds got picked um, not just to make it a family affair in the first round for the Edmonds family, but picked by Ryan Shazier, who walked to the stage uh, and walked up to the podium to make the pick. And given everything that Ryan Shazier has gone through and the, the, the way in which the Steelers have rallied around him, that was certainly a beautiful moment to take away. Yeah, of course, the, the Pittsburgh defensive play that uh, had that awful-looking uh, injury in uh, a Monday night game against the Bengals uh, last year feared that he might never walk again. Uh, so that was definitely one of the moments that stopped the draft, and I suppose not many uh, dry eyes would have been in the stadium at that moment, uh, Loz. But I, I will ask you, what what did did you think of uh, of, of Cleveland's uh, picks at one and four? Obviously, you mentioned they took Baker Mayfield with the first overall pick, and then they took a cornerback, Denzel Ward, which was a slight surprise. Um, and apparently they changed their mind at the last minute in doing so, apparently. Yeah, you never know, you know what to believe with these. They changed their, mind at, they changed their, their minds at the last minute or, oh, no, we've had these picks locked in for six weeks. I think um, you never truly get the full, the full truth out of that. But Denzel Ward's a hell of a cornerback. He measured in bigger than was expected at the combine, which was a huge tick for him because people thought he was going to come in around the, the five foot nine mark. So getting over the five ten mark was huge. Look, the, the, the man has absolutely lightning feet. He will stick on your hip pocket like you just leant over and got some gum on your belt buckle. He will not let you get out of out of his sight. Um, great athleticism. So this was a position we know they moved Rand. Uh, they know they um, acquired uh, Demarius Randall for the Green Bay Packers. But yeah. this is a uh, a rebuilt secondary that they're looking to, to work on. They've got some pass rush up front with the likes um, of Miles Garrett, last year's number one overall pick. So um, a guy like Ward who excelled through the pre-draft process. And let me just say, any man that comes out to congratulations by Post Malone, it's my ticket of approval. So whilst many thought it was going to be Bradley Sharp, uh, Denzel Ward was worthy of a top five selection. Yeah, okay. And the, uh, the New York Giants uh, would have surprised some by taking a running back with the second overall pick and perhaps not a quarterback given that Eli Manning is at the back end of his career. It is a pick that has, has divided uh, the NFL public because that's a lot of draft capital to be placing in a player in a position that doesn't have an extremely long shelf life, it must be admitted. But Saquon Barkley is a generational talent. What's your take uh, on the Giants going this way and not the other? Well, Saquon Barkley is a hell of a talent. He reminds you of Damian Tomlinson. I don't know if he's generational because, you know, Leonard Fournette was generational and Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott was generational. And sh- damn, we've had three 
generational talents in three years. So those generations are get mighty short. It is, yeah, it Saquon is an Barkley, overused phrase. Saquon Barkley, <laughs> it is. And Saquon Barkley is a hell of a hell of a running back prospect. He is explosive. He is elusive. He is so much fun. What he can do out of the backfield as well. He's a three-down back, a home run hitter. But unlike Dallas and then unlike Jacksonville to a lesser extent, the Giants aren't built to run. I know they brought in Nate Solder and they paid him big money, but who's blocking for Barkley other than Nate Solder? Well, they're not built to take advantage of this pick. They're not built yeah. to optimize this pick. To truly take a running back this high in the draft, you need to be ready to make him, literally put him in position to be a real, realistic shot at 2,000 yards. And uh, Barkley, in, in a system where the offensive line um, is well-established and has great chemistry and, and they're committed to the running game, absolutely he should be doing that. But this one doesn't make sense from from that standpoint. The Drumbeat, the whole time, it was relentless that they were in love with Barkley, the Giants were going to go with Barkley, despite common sense suggesting, geez, Eli Manning can't throw a 45-yard pass downfield without it wobbling. Um, you know, you would think that they'd invest in the future. They're given this as a, an establishment team that doesn't pick this high in the draft too often. But, man, I tell you what, uh, this, this is a head-scratcher just from an organizational standpoint. Barkley himself is well worth the top five pick if you can utilize him. I'm just not sure with the offensive infrastructure in place in New York that they're primed to do that uh, with, with the efficiency and the effectiveness that other teams could. Yeah, and probably heading into the draft, Sam Darnold would have been the most well-known name. He was the quarterback uh, that had all the momentum to go first overall. He slipped to the New York Jets at number three. Is this a slam dunk pick? Because it seems like a lot of Jets fans are stoked with this one. They should be stoked. Um, I personally had Josh Rosen as the top quarterback in this class, but Sam Darnold is a fantastic prospect, and he, he was right up there for me. He was number two. Um, you know, people do look at the ball security. There were some fumbles and there were some turnovers last year, some notable ones, and, and that's fair enough. But at the same time, let's look at the trades. Let's go beyond the box score. The man is athletic. He's got a strong arm. He throws with anticipation and gets through reads, which is so, so important in a young pass. We see a lot of... A lot of quarterbacks come into the game who will not throw people open, who will not anticipate throws. They need to see it wide open before they pull the trigger, which is dangerous. And then he's also got a short, resilient memory. And whether you're a cornerback or a quarterback, there's positions in the NFL where you need to get over mistakes in a hurry. And he does that really well. His clutch gene is well and truly intact in his DNA. But yeah, I think the, the, the Jets, had they landed, honestly, had they landed Donald, had they landed Rosen at this pick, I think they would have been absolutely beaming. So you're good on gangrene. They haven't had a whole lot to cheer about of late. And this guy, as long as they protect him better than US, USC did, because he got hammered behind the USC offensive line, as long as they protect him, uh, and that needs to be priority you know, A1 going forward in the draft and whatever else they can manage on the personnel side, uh, they've got, I think they've got their future locked down. Yeah, well, well done, Jets. Well done to the Cardinals for getting Josh Rosen down at uh, 10 after trading up to secure uh, that uh, quarterback as well, Josh Rosen, who you like. Uh, and well done to the Baltimore Ravens for trading up right at the death of day one up to uh, pick 32, Philadelphia's pick, to grab the fifth quarterback off the board in the first round. Uh, last season's Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. What did you make of this move uh, for, uh, for the Ravens uh, and obviously the franchise's boss, Ozzie Newsom's uh, final first-round selection? He's been at the sort of the top of the helm there in Baltimore for many, many years, and, uh, and this kind of brings his uh, uh, run to an end as well. 
Yeah, I tell you what, though, the Dallas fans in house, they were certainly happy to see, see Philadelphia Eagles move out of the first round so that the Philly fans who travelled in force didn't get to see a pick today. But <laughs> from the, the Raven side of things, and yeah, Ozzie Newsom goes out with a bang. I thought he could have made a move for Lamar earlier um, yeah. in the first round and was kind of disappointed when he didn't go that way and went with the tight end Hayden Hurst. But he gets back in there. He gets a fifth-year option on the quarterback contract. This man... Lamar Jackson is the anti-Flacco. If you see anybody out there saying he's a college-style quarterback or that he should play wide receiver, you should be looking at them with some seriously square eyes and some, uh, you know, raised eyebrows because the man, you know, yes, he needs to work on consistency. Yes, his lower base needs to be um, tweaked uh, and more consistent and wide to get more consistent throwing and delivery. But the man has beautiful arm strength. He's got Michael Vick's legs. Um, he really is, in many ways, a taller, leaner but very similar right-handed Michael Vick. Um, and this was a great way for Ozzy, who is retiring uh, from the position, from the GM position and the GM helm in Baltimore at the end of the season, a great way for him to go out with his final first-round pick. You know, GMs and front offices around the league have learned to revere and fear Ozzy Newson on draft, on draft day. Yeah. Uh, and he showed that one more time with, you know, this is... Make no mistake about it, a transformative pick for the Ravens organisation. Yeah, could leave the franchise in uh, great hands for many years to come. Hey, uh, Laurie, there are quite a number of uh, Green Bay Packers fans uh, in Australia, including myself. Uh, They traded down, obviously, and then traded back up uh, to to nab uh, a a, a crucial secondary cog. What did you make of uh, Green Bay Packers' uh, day one draft? Yeah, uptown, downtown, turn the beat around town. That's the theme song for the Green Bay Packers today, <laughs> all over the shop. But you know what they end up with? They end up with a very advantageous uh, pickup in terms of draft capital they've landed. And Jair Alexander is an absolute stud. We know, and I know you are, as a suffering Packers fan, you know there's holes in that secondary. Mm. Um, and I love the aggression to move back up when their man was there. Uh, Alexander battled some injury last year, but this guy's skill set is phenomenal. He plays above his weight division. Um, he has. You want to talk about swagger at the cornerback position. You want to talk about swagoo. You want to talk about confidence and cockiness. Go have a look at some of the some of the the candor and some of the carry on from Jair Alexander when he goes up against um, you know number one wide receivers. Uh, this guy has every bit the talent to be the top cornerback to come out of this class. I know we talk very positively about Denzel Ward. I really like Mike Hughes as well. There's, there's, we can go on and on. Jair Alexander could be the best cornerback out of this class, and Green Bay Packers needed it. They did it with value. They did it with execution. They did it with decisiveness and creativity as far as managing your draft board. So hats off to the pack. Yeah, nice. And uh, you're obviously a big Dallas Cowboys fan at your home event. Um, but... I don't think Dallas fans were too happy with what happened uh, when they took linebacker Leighton Vanderesh. Yeah, look, James Vanderbeek was always the highly tipped pick for the Dallas Cowboys. That was always likely. Oh, sorry, Leighton Vanderesh. Um, sorry, I've just been watching a whole lot of um, <laughs> Dawson's Creek reruns lately. But um, look, Leighton Vanderesh was much touted as the Dallas Cowboys pick. The problem was a lot of fans and a lot of pundits didn't think he was worth the 19th overall pick, particularly with some of the other players that were not just available at, the, at pick 19, but some of the guys that were sliding. Let's talk about you know the slide of Derwin James. Should they have you know kicked a fourth-round pick or something to move up or maybe a third-round pick to move up to the 16th or 15th pick and yeah. grab their man and fill a hole they, in this day and age? Investing three high picks or, or two high picks and a lot of money when talking about Sean Lee and linebacker, yeah, the lineman position is also questionable. It makes you question, okay, we spent uh, you know a high second-round pick bringing Jalen Smith in, and now he's going to be a part-time player playing the Sam linebacker position. Just It's a lot of organizational 
there's a lack of organizational clarity there. It seems like it's Rod Marinelli, a defensive coordinator, who is going to probably be on the way out of the organization at the end of the year, making draft picks, which, again, talk about questionable practice. Van Der Esch is a physical, he's a physical freak at 250 pounds. Problem is he doesn't play with that power. And there's some comparisons being thrown around to Brian Urlacher, which I think is very, very dangerous. Doesn't pass the sniff test for me yet. And he's going to be thrown into the action, um, the heart of the Cowboys defense from day one. Now, great attitude, great potential. Uh, he's come a long way from playing eight-man football in high school. Um, and there's a Boise State um, culture and, and connection at the Dallas Cowboys. So by, every, by, by any means... Vanders could prove to be well and truly worth that pick 19, but with some of the guys that were around there, Harold Landry, who was on the clock at that point, or on the board at the time the Cowboys were on the, on the clock, as well as, yes, you Derwin James and players like that, it just leaves a little to die from the Cowboys uh, fans here. And there was, it was kind of a, an acceptance, uh, an accepting groan that uttered around the 30,000 30, fans that were, were in attendance today uh, as they expected this one to come. There was no surprise to this one. Uh, but it, it just screams a little too a little too close to home for perhaps a Taco Charlton pick uh, twelve <laughs> ago. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Loz, you, I'm guessing you're, you're going to be back for day two and three action, but uh, in the meantime, off to a, a bar somewhere in Arlington. Uh, yes, off to uh, I believe I'm off Maverick Bar right now. Uh, my company is uh, looking like we really need to hit the road. The Uber's here, um, so a long night of. You know, absolute draft nerdery and uh, football, um, just sinking your teeth into football comes to an end. And now we get to go to the bar and break it all down uh, once over. Lovely, lovely stuff. Well, I I won't uh, keep you any longer then, Laurie. Thank you very much for joining today's edition of The Splash and uh, breaking down uh, the first day of draft action, the first round of the 2018 NFL draft in some detail. Always great splashing about with you, Philip. <laughs> it certainly is. Enjoy the rest of your trip, and I'll see you back in the office next week, I'm presuming? Yes, uh, unless uh, Dallas gets up to more chicanery tomorrow and on day three, you should see me back healthy and happy Wednesday next week. Done. Thanks very much for joining today's Splash, Laurie Haresh. And see, I told you, he is an NFL expert, uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at... Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, Haresh, H-O-R-E-S-H. And feel free to follow myself on Twitter uh, as well, at Phil underscore prior. Thank you for tuning in to today's full recap of day one action from the 2018 NFL Draft in Arlington, Texas. That'll do us this week. That's a wrap.